as many movies left in the collection as I can find, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm in the middle of, well, not in the middle, I'm in the last third of Inland Empire right now. Wow. <laughs> I like that movie. You want to you wanna pause this so you can finish that? No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, right. movie's not going to make any more sense to me when I if I take it if I take a couple hours away from it and get to the last hour. It's it's fine. I've seen it before. It's just like it's a movie that I feel like I've never really given the full attention to. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I don't know what is happening in that movie. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Talk. I mean, have we ever really talked about a movie on this show? Is that oh, like you know, not 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 in this show, not in this capacity. No. Yeah, actually, you know, I'm I'm glad you said that. What do you think Inland Empire is about? Okay, I don't care about it being about <laughs> anything. I just think it's it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that is that is very true. Uh, if it is about something, it's about you know, like celebrity and. And domesticity and, 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 you know, misogyny. And it's about a lot. I definitely do think it is about, like, the difference between men and women in the world of Hollywood and acting. I think there's mm-hmm. a huge part of that involved with it. The first time I watched it, I think I watched it for our David Lynch episode. And I really did not like it. Like, I was just like, oh, God, this is this is a lot. This is slow. But... And I'm not saying, like, this is how you should have to watch that movie, but if you go by the Blu-ray criterion of it, it helps it look a lot clearer, and I think it's a lot easier to sit through. It It is a lot easier to sit through. I watched it in theater, in the theater, um, when they were showing the 4K restoration, the quote-unquote 4K restoration. And that's a great way to watch it, too, because you kind of, because it's so long... I I eventually like kind of weaved in and out of consciousness, and so if you become end up like weaved into the movie, and it makes it way scarier. Is it a lot scarier? I think it's a very scary movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess on a big screen, I guess on a big screen that would be that would be scarier. Yeah, it's terrifying, especially the last hour. Ah, uh, yeah. That's that's fair. Um, well, it's coming. We'll see. We'll see. I've, I'm just waiting for that image of Laura Dern's face that looks like it's pressed up against a window. Oh, that's a fantastic moment. I also the bunnies. <laughs> I think are cool. I like the little rabbit scenario. I'm, I mean, I don't know what they mean either. That's that's the other thing. That, you know, does it matter? <laughs> Sometimes it does. Not really. Uh, People are always like, do, do these surreal things like mean anything? I'm like, well, it means whatever you feel. That that does seem to be his contention on all of his movies. Is like, I don't know. What do you think it means? Yeah, you can try and analyze it, or you can just like go with it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying there isn't like anything fun in expert uh, in analyzing stuff or, or or thinking about it really hard but sometimes you just you just go with what a movie wants you to feel i mean i yeah i guess i get that oh, man yeah i don't know it's it's one of those where i'm just like i'm like am i supposed to understand like what's what's going on here or is this just like not meant for me to know um, i think that's what makes david lynch so unique is he's you could theoretically pull all of it apart you could probably find a meaning for like everything in it, or you could just go like, man, that fucking hurt my head. I don't want to think about it. That shit's scary. And like, that's also a completely normal response. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's very fair. There's. Uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a big old weirdo. He's a big old weirdo. And we love him. We do. We might hopefully be talking about making, him. Hopefully. He's making another movie soon. Is is that rumored or? Apparently there's been rumors that there's something called Westria. But I, I won't. I told my wife I'm not. I, I'm not believing it until I see a trailer. <laughs> until that movie starts in the theater. I'm not believing Dick. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't I don't believe anything about anything about a David Lynch project until I see the news that it is in front of me. Yeah, that's maybe the best way to go about it is because that was the last movie he made was Inland Empire. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's been a while. Technically, Twin Peaks season three. I guess that's true. I, I guess I just don't get I mean, that is a movie, too, in its own sense. Yeah. Oh, hashing out the the old old discourse. Okay, well, you know, maybe you've helped me. And I am looking forward to the last hour because I'll say this: like the more the more the older I get, the more I really start to appreciate Lynch. Like a couple weeks ago, I rewatched uh, Fire Walk with me, and I'm starting to understand why you rank that movie so high. Yeah, I think I ranked it number two. I think you did. Yeah, it's it's just a very like like what a unique way to like take a character who like was kind of like the central piece of a thing, but then also like give you all the stuff about that character you didn't know you needed to know. I think it's a beautiful recentering of what Twin Peaks is about. <laughs> Not to like fully rehash it, but I think it I think Firewalk with me and, and Twin Peaks season three are like, hey, remember that this is a show about Laura, right? <laughs> very true. It's very very true. Ugh. And it's it's well, also why people who went to go see it because they wanted more they wanted more like goofy city shit and they're like, oh, oh, this like heart searing movie about a teenager? No, no, thank you. Yeah, it's, oh man, I can understand why people rejected it, but upon watching it this time, I was like, this might be the most important part of all of the Twin Peaks stuff. It's why I think you start with it before you watch Twin Peaks. So if someone were to come to you and say, Tyler, I know you like Twin Peaks, please help me. How would you recommend I watch this? You would say you would go Firewalk with me, the show, and then season three. Or you would, at the very least, go season one, Firewalk with me, season two. Because oh, season two gets really weird. No, no, not uh, him. Not old straightforward Lynch, as we all uh, call him. Well, he gets fired like a episode six or seven. That sounds about right. And then it gets even weirder. Uh, you're going to fire were me? <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on but me. That's very true. No one did know what the fuck was going on except to him. Mark Frost, he doesn't know. I mean, he uh, kind of does. That show falls apart in the second season. Oh, it does, yeah. It's only because season three helps bring it back together. It, well, it it has a solid ending to that season, but who doggy? End of your Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the county of Cochise, Arizona. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Ben, and joining me as always. I'm Tyler. Ah, we're back. It's a normal saddle. one. Yeah, so to speak. Yeah, that's right, guys. We're back, and it's a different format. Two movies? I don't think so. One. We're doing something different. We are doing something different. But I'll tell you what isn't different, Tyler, is talking about the best thing we saw this week. So, yes. Yeah. Why don't you sit oh. back, relax, and tell us what the best thing you saw this week was. The best thing I saw this week. I've been watching a lot of Trek. A lot of mid-2000s. <laughs> just fucking garbage. So, <laughs> I found out about this movie um, called The Rebound. Have you heard of this movie? No. So yeah, it was, it's from 2009, 
and it's a, a Catherine Zeta-Jones, Justin Bartha, Art Garfunkel vehicle about a woman whose husband uh, cheats on her, and then she falls in love with a guy who nannies for her, and um, it is truly one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, it joined the One and a Half Star Club, or the Half Star Club, um, which I think is a small club of movies I have on Letterboxd that I've only given a half star to. I think there is now currently one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten movies in the half star club. And uh, it earned it. I, I It's directed by the same guy who directed um, another terrible movie I watched called uh, Trust the Man, which stars... Dave Duchovny, Julianne Moore, Billy Crudup, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Justin Barth is also in it, Ava Mendez, Ellen Birkin, Gary Shandling, and Sterling K. Brown, and appearances with Dagmar Domovich from Secession, Jim Gaffigan, and James LaGrosse. So there was a reason why I rented this. It's terrible. It's The movies in the 2000s were just so bad, man. It's just a horrible time to be alive. And Bart Frudelich, your director, you, 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 you suck. Why did you watch this if you knew it was going to be bad? Uh, I watched the trailers and I was like, oh, well, that'd be funny. Rant that. Oh, you're, you're a better man than I am. I don't, I don't have that much time on my hands anymore. I'm just like. Sometimes you see something that you rent from the. You see, you see a trailer in a movie you rent from a video store and you're like, I should rent that. I'm, I guess. I mean. Then you, then you watch the trailers to the thing that you rented and guess what? Boom. You're back. You're boom. Boom, 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 boom. Bada boom, bada boom. Cycle repeats itself. I guess that's fair. I guess that's very fair. Ah, man. Let me look at my letterboxed. So it's not good, huh? It's just it's just straight up bad. Trust the Man got a, a, a star out of me. Full star. Um, and the rebound got a half star. And I think it was solely because I watched the rebound segment. Interesting. I'm not going to, this isn't going to be the thing I'm going to bring up, but did you watch The Killer? It's, hold on. Uh, oh, I think I have it. Uh, I think the file. Yep, no, uh, yep, it looks like I'm going to be watching that tonight. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay, well, maybe next time we'll talk about it. Maybe next time. Yeah. Then we can we can catch up with the killer and anatomy of the fall. So I'm gonna see that this week probably. Ooh, I'm excited for you on yeah, that one. Yeah. Not for the killer, I see, huh? I'm interested to talk. I'm more interested to talk with you about the killer than I am actually to talk with you about anatomy of a fall. Because I know what I think of anatomy of a fall. I like anatomy of a fall. The killer is like it's kind of baffling. Like we're going to have a roundup where it's going to be like the killer anatomy of a fall dream scenario. I'm excited for dream scenario. Um, Cause I've seen that uh, already. Uh, but yeah, well to touch back on him, there's a little documentary on the criterion channel called Lynch Oz and boy, howdy. I think the movie's about an hour and 50 minutes. Through about the first hour and 30 minutes, I was like, yeah, this is good. I like what they're doing here. This is fun. This would make a great double with like Room 237 or like almost any movie about like a filmmaker's process. And then in the last like 10 minutes, the movie hit me in such a way where I almost started crying. Like, I don't know if you've watched this yet. I have not. I really, really am excited for you. This this just feels like this is the movie you're going to put on. And just like stretch out like a, like a cat on a warm summer day and just and just bask in its glow. Yeah, no, it's it's in the watch list. Um, I noticed someone had watched it on my account. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Eyebrow go up. Um, and uh, no, me and my wife are going to watch it uh, soon, I think. It's, it's just very enjoyable. And it's I don't know. It's like at first I was sitting there and I was like. I don't know if I bind all this. Like, it's kind of the way you would do with Room 237. And, like, you're like, I don't know if I bind all this bullshit about, like, like this is all connected and stuff. And then, like, as it goes on, you're like, no, actually, I do kind of start buying into it. Well, the thing about Room 2, 
337 is uh, some of it starts with some of the weirder <laughs> philosophies where it's like the shining is actually about um, the, how we stole the land of the Native Americans. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe like you don't have any evidence for it, but like you, you, maybe. <laughs> you don't know. You're just like. Maybe. You don't have any evidence at all. It's like, um, we could. I don't know. I guess it could be that. Yeah, it's like, but it's also like, I still don't know if that's true. I don't think it is. Yeah. <laughs> that is just a, a So bummer. you would recommend Lynch Oz? Yeah, I actually really would. And like I said, it's it's kind of like, it's weird to compare it to this, but when you get to it, yeah, I, you know, I can't even say that because I think that kind of almost spoils. I'm not going to say anything about it, but yeah, no, I really would recommend it. I think the last 10 minutes are kind of as close to a perfect summation of a movie, try, especially a documentary, trying to say something about filmmaking as a documentary has ever said. Hmm, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Once you see it, we'll we'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll. I'll. Like I said. Well, maybe we'll have a big roundup next next time we do this. Yeah. I was thinking about that actually. Um. I don't think every. I don't think every um, episode has to be like just us talking about a movie. If we want to like vary it up, where like one of us is like, "Hey, what are your three favorite Matt Damon movies?" Like example for sure. And you're like, and you're like, ah, uh, there are these three. Like we could then go through like that or like we could do like a roundup like you're saying i i do like the idea of like varying it up now number one body of lies that's leonardo dicaprio number two what's the born movie that has the guy in it fuck you mean the one with uh jeremy renner born legacy yeah <laughs> are you just picking <laughs> movies he could have been in is that, is that the bit and no uh, and number one is a uh, talented mr ripley well that's fair that one's yeah. that one's correct that one's fair right i think that one's all right I was just amusing myself. <laughs> I'm having I'm having fun. I'm, I'm loose. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shouldn't have picked Matt Damon. Shouldn't, Shouldn't have picked, picked Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have picked he had an Matt agenda, Damon. and he was ready to go with it. The new Hunger Games movie came out. Uh, did you Did you watch it? No. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> You're you're a little stinker. I am. I'm a stick in the mud. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, that's fine. You're you you're that totally makes sense. I mean, yeah. No, that that totally makes sense that you wouldn't want to go see that because I don't. You're gonna to. go see it. I'm gonna go see it because I love Brianna and she wants to go see it. But okay. I have heard I have heard the most scathing review of that movie is this movie's biggest problem is that it's fucking boring and it's like oh. That movie's almost three hours long. It's almost how it's what? Yep. Excuse me. What? <laughs> you heard me. Oh, I'm going to go see May, December tomorrow. Fuck Twist. you. Just, yeah. Fuck you. Oh, on 35 millimeter. Fuck you again. All I want to do is see that movie. I'm going to text you about it. <laughs> No, you're not. And be like, it's good. Oh, that's that's fine. That's fine. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I'm just no, gonna... I know. I oh, know and then just... I also, this is, again, another me just rubbing it in, and I'm very sorry. Um, but the, I, I, have you ever heard of Charlie Varick? No. Uh, it's a 70s crime film starring Walter Matthau. Car it was shot in uh, Carson. Mm-hmm. In Dayton and my hometown, and um, I'm gonna go see it. Okay. None of these, uh, none of these are important. We can, we can 100% cut this all out. But uh, yeah. No, no, no. Go Shot on. Sparks and Gardnerville and Reno and a trailer park in Dayton, my hometown, and uh, yeah. So I'm so excited. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I love Walter Matthau. Um, so, I mean, like, 
you got that at least going for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, Jonan Baker is apparently in it. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, do it. Oh, it's already um, done. Tickets in the mail. Oh, well, that's good. Actually, you know what? There is something. I've got something. A little movie called uh, Thanksgiving came out. Oh. Interesting. I did forgot you go that. See, did you go see Thanksgiving? No, no, no? but I, I might. I, I think you'd have a lot of fun with it. I may go see Thanksgiving. It's Eli Roth, and you, we all know how I feel about Eli Roth. I don't know if we do. I'm not going to say mixed, because it's it's less than mixed. It's 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 teetering on almost complete revulsion at the man. But it it's kind of the way you feel about a puppy that like chews something up, where it's like, well, you don't know anything better. You're a fucking dog. <laughs> So it's it's like I can't get mad when he makes a movie that I don't like because I'm just like, well, yeah, you're Eli Roth. That's that's what you do is you make movies I don't like. That's a bad puppy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah, of course you chew things up. You're you're fucking you're Eli Roth. Yeah, he is kind of like that. I'll say this: it's having a lot of fun, and there is a joke in the movie that I feel like you will get. And it's something that unless like you are like a big like you are a big horror nerd, it's going to be something that I just don't think really, truly gives you. I don't even know how to explain. I can't explain it without explaining it. But like I, I'm I'm very excited for you to watch. All right. Then I'm yeah. excited. I am excited to watch. Cinemark, really? You got to verify that I'm human. <sighs> the future yeah i was literally gonna check out times to see if i can go see it tomorrow tomorrow a matinee tomorrow well look at this look at this little movie charlie varick what do i feel like i've heard of this quentin tarantino won't shut up about it (laughs) like just today or recently no it's part of like the grindhouse releasing thing that he has okay i mean that's fair oh well okay Okay, I mean, I think we could pull something out of that, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. We can pull something out of that. Yeah. I mean, do you want to take us on to our to our main event? Yes, I will. There wasn't any like strict criteria for what I picked, right? No, no, we we're just back. Kind of noir. Okay. From 1957 is an American Western film written and directed by Samuel Fuller. Filmed in Cinemascope, but in black and white. The film stars Barbara Stanwyck, Barry Sullivan, and Gene Barry, and takes place in 1880s Tombstone, Arizona, in Chicago County. Griff, a reformed gunslinger now working for the Attorney General, butts heads with local Baroness Jessica Drummond. That is, of course, the titular 40 guns of this 1957 Western. 40 guns. Now, what if you want? Logan wears the badge, but he's afraid of guns. The job pays well, percentage on commissions, and uh, so forth. And a man could get rich on the and so forth, is that it? You offering me the job? You wouldn't have any trouble getting elected. With your help? With or without my help. Popular killer like you. Uh, I don't figure the job is my size. Could be any size you want it to be. I'm not interested in you, Mr. Bunnell. It's your trademark. May I feel it? Uh-uh. Just curious. Might go off in your face. I'll take a chance. Could have broken my brother's skull. Yeah, I could have if I tried. I suppose I should be grateful you weren't hired to kill him. I don't kill for hire. I'm sure you don't kill for fun. I'm sure you're sure. 
If yeah. there was a guy acting a fool, just shooting his gun off everywhere, would you have the balls to just like walk towards him close enough just to sock him? No. But also, I'm a coward, so, you know. I think you're practical, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're a coward. I think it's more practical at that point. I wouldn't. You're talking about Brocky, right? Played by John Erickson. Yeah, yeah. Or as I call him, asshat. He, he is a, he's, a real, he's a real jerk in this one. Yeah, he's, he's just like... There's just so many moments where you're like, someone please shoot him. Like, I don't want to see anyone killed, but goddamn, that dude's really pushing his luck at this moment. Well, good news. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. If you've seen a Western, you know where the story's going. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess maybe if the one stipulation was we said noir, which you kind of did stick to. It's a noir-ish. Yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it's a Western. That's kind of what I, I wanted, is I wanted a, a noir western, and there's only, like, a handful. There, There's not a whole lot, and so it was either between this and The Lusty Men or Johnny's Guitar. And I was like, well, I don't really want to cry, so I'll pick 40 guns. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Who knew Barbara Stanwyck, like, I mean, we all knew, because if you've seen Double Indemnity, you're like, yeah, we know she can be vicious. I love Barbara Stanwyck. She's really good. Slowly becoming, just this is becoming slowly a Barbara Stanwyck house. <laughs> Printed out an entire like full length photo of her laying on that like fainting couch from Double Indemnity. Naomi walks by. She goes, what "The fuck is this? It's a flag, baby. We're flying. Like, we stand the, for Stanwyck. <laughs> we're flying it above the Stanwyck." Uh... <laughs> That's 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 that that's the nation I'm declaring. Ugh, one nation under Standwick. The rest of you can get the fucking line. Yeah. She's dead, I'm assuming, right? She yeah, she died in the nineties. Okay, just checking. <laughs> yeah, she 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 died in nineteen ninety. R.A.P. Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah. The best Barbara of all time? If not the best, at the very least, like top ten. Oh, I'd say top five. Gotta be top five. Yeah. Streisand's no, also the, in there. I was gonna say Hershey, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. Streisand. Barbara, Barbara, Barbara Hershey. Stri Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. <laughs> that is a bit me and my girl do all, all the time. Anytime Barbara Streisand is brought up somehow, we'll just look at each other and go, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> and she'll be like, Streisand. Oh, man. All right. Well. You want to take us through what 40 Guns is about? Before I do, and I will, yeah. um, have we talked about Samuel Fuller on this podcast? I want to say for one of my best of the weeks, I brought up the Naked Kiss, but that might be the most we've talked about Samuel Fuller. We didn't, we haven't done Shot Corridor? No, we talked about how that, how that movie is in Naked Kiss, but that's as close as we've come. And I today I'm looking because I was looking at this movie on the Criterion collection I was like what else do they got from Samuel Fuller I gotta tell you White Dog sounds fascinating yeah it's a, that's a weird movie uh, Curtis Hansen wrote it wrote the screenplay based what? on a French novel so why, you know why, why did I don't he know. write I, I don't know Curtis Hansen I think also wrote Thieves After Dark so you know they work together a little bit I would say the the collection of his early films, where it's I Shot Jesse James, The Baron of Arizona, and uh, The Steel Helmet, are all fantastic. I think he had a couple of his movies. Pick Up on South Street, I think, also got the, the treatment. Fuller's great. Probably best... I think the, the the best way to get you into Samuel Fuller is that he was main inspirations behind Larry Cohen's work. So oh. so much so that Larry Cohen put him in Return to Salem's Lot, I think. Really? Yes. Huh. Man, um, you would not think those old... two. You would not think those I, I, two would would be connected, but there you are. I don't. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe not like connected, but I don't know. I think you see a lot of the same writing style. 
Interesting. Maybe not I mean, it's guys. definitely it's definitely two guys who are journeyman filmmakers. Like, yeah, Samuel Fuller is not the first name that gets brought up when you look at like his era of stuff. But like, you can tell that he's a guy who like the like the deep cut people are like, oh yeah, fucking Samuel Fuller rocks. Like, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think the guy has this guy has like seven things on the on the Criterion like collection. Like, and I'm not saying that that like makes you like makes you like either are or are not like great at what you do. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people on the Criterion Collection. I'm like, I wouldn't put that on there. His biggest thing is that writers in in Paris in the 60s really latched onto his work. So there's two, I think, big cornerstone American filmmakers who kind of became buoyed by the the Calle du Cinema crowd. And one of them is Nick Ray who directed uh, in a lonely place which i know we've done and has directed the directed a ton of movies the lusty men <sighs> rebel without a cause obviously is his biggest one and and bigger than life you know all movies that like the french new wave were like yeah these are very important movies to us fuller was much further down on the card like nicholas ray worked with you know major studios and had big budgets and and i i don't think samuel fuller ever had like a major he was he never had like a major star in one of his movies i think probably his biggest movie would be something like 40 guns or house of bamboo or pick up on south street where it's a b level star as the main person or a barbara stanwick who's you know in her 50s doing something She's um, in her fifties in that movie. Good lord, she's she in her looks 50s. amazing. She's in. She's it's so incredibly attractive in this movie. I don't care who knows it. <laughs> yeah, hear that, Naomi? I don't care. I don't she's care. Who, I don't. I don't care who who hears it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> she looks great in this. She looks great in the Douglas Sirk f- film from a few years earlier, from 1953, called All I Desire. I love Barbara Stanwyck. Anyway. Just send me Barbara Stanwyck movies to watch. That's really all I all I need right now. But yeah, so I, I just wanted to place Fuller as like this B-movie maven working in like the Fox studio system, kind of pumping out these like really taut, tight 80-minute B-movie thrillers. I'll tell you, I watched this twice, and the second time I, I broke through something, I was like, man... What I love about this is that this is a very typical Western premise where there is the straight nosed like lawman versus like the person who is like willing to do whatever it takes to hold on to power in their town. But nobody's ever had the idea of like, but what if they were in love? Yes, because it's usually (laughs) it's usually two men. (laughs) Yeah. I I wanted it to be two men, but they weren't up for that. (laughs) <laughs> yes i i i think i do think that that makes this movie work i think this movie fucking whips and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna know who says it but yeah you have griff and his gang which is like his brothers wes and chino coming into town um you have jessica drummond and her hired 40 guns which is like just this great visual to start the movie of this woman in black like riding a white horse and then all of these like fucking men riding behind her you have her brother brocky who's a just a drunk idiot uh who just starts shooting everything in town and gets punched by the main guy and then it creates he's such a fuck up one of the classic hollywood archetypes of a fuck up yeah where he just, just can't do anything right and I think I want to start before we start talking about the characters and their individual journeys. I want to talk about Sheriff Ned Logan, played by Dean Yeager, because he is maybe the saddest character in this movie. And I think that that is one of the things that keeps me coming back to Fuller movies is he really he'll always have a guy who is just a pathetic little dude. <laughs> Why do I know him? The actor? Yeah. He's, it was in so much. He's in Columbo. He's in 
12 o'clock high. Uh, he was the star of Mr. Novak for a while in the 60s. I don't know if you're a big Mr. Novak fan. I don't know uh, what that is. No, I'm, I'm joking. He plays another impotent. He's he's he plays another impotent sheriff in um, uh, Bad Day at Black Rock, which I don't know, which was almost the movie I picked for this week. Yeah, he just he he got an Academy Award. He won a, an Academy Award for Twelve O'clock High, so that's cool. That's good for him. Yeah, he was he's around for a long time. He yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he, like, he is just, like, he is so, he's so emotionally, like, broken, like, by the start of that movie. Like, he's so pathetic, like, because, like, he's fucking going blind. Like, this isn't even, like, a thing of, like, cowardice on his part. It's, like, I can't fucking see. Like, I can't fucking fight these people. I would love to, and I would love to be able to defend this town. But I can't. Like, are you talking about the marshal or the sheriff? Ooh, wait a minute, Dean Yeager. Wait, who is this guy? Dean Yeager plays the sheriff who's in love with Jessica Drummond. Oh wait. Oh, hold on. I'm thinking of someone else. Hold on. We're gonna back that up. Who plays the Who plays the marshal? The marshal is played by Hank Woden, who went to the UNR for engineering. That's the guy from the Searchers. I knew that's where I knew that guy from. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. he's a he's a good friend of John Wayne and has been oh, in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen John Wayne movies. Almost yeah. entirely uncredited. <laughs> okay, so the sheriff who's in love with her. Sorry, I did not put that together. No, he's also an equally pathetic character. He, he, the the sheriff I think is pathetic because he was obviously like in love with Jessica and was being used as kind of like a like a push <laughs> like a like a push broom to kind of do whatever she wanted and then when this new guy Griff comes into town he's like immediately like that guy's bad news for me and we'll get to where he he ends up but it's not good for him. Well, you know who I compared him to? I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, you're the William H. Macy of this movie. Like, all I could think of was the character William H. Macy plays in Boogie Nights, except he's a sheriff. I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, no, that is that, that is a very good portrayal. That You have Hank Warden as Marshall John Chisholm, who's going blind. And he's like, I can't really do anything to stop him. And then fucking Brocky just shoots that guy for some reason. What a dick! You're just like, oh, oh, that guy sucks. You're just like, oh, oh, thanks, guys. Like, thanks a bunch. Yeah, no, he is an absolute prick. He is a prick. And the death of the of the marshal is what convinces Griff to to stay and do some cleaning up around here. Yeah, that's that is so very true. It, it's he's yeah yeah it's that standard great western movie aesthetic of someone coming into town and then being like i gotta fix this town looks like this town's not big enough for the two of us and i'm not gonna be the one to move out oh man you're just like the whole movie you're just sitting there and you're just like like nothing it's one of those things too where like i feel like a great noir never really solves anything like, it just kind of, like, shows you, like, almost the futility of life itself. Yeah. And, like, this movie does that. Like, because there's a moment, like, midway through this movie after the tornado where, like, you think, okay, Barbara Stanwyck's character and Barry Sullivan are going to get together. And they're going to, like, figure out a way to work this together. And it's like, nope. 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 They're, they have weird tension. I think most importantly, Brocky, who sucks, keeps being bad and keeps sucking. Well, he won't let well enough alone. Like, he's just like, it's like, he is the consummate, like, he is the consummate shit talker who's just like, oh, you fucking suck, you fucking suck. And he's like, oh, but don't forget, I have my sister. Like, 
you're just like you're just like fucking let this guy die like if she get lets him go and that's the thing too like she's so loyal to him that's the only reason if she would just let him go everything would be fine in that town like it's only because he's related to her that she's like nope can't let him die yeah yeah i think the great central problem of this movie is griff just is like okay that's enough of this guy <laughs> well when he fucking cold cocks his ass like at the beginning of the movie you're like fucking finally like yeah someone's doing it and then i think because of that brocky's like oh i'm gonna kill this guy oh yeah brocky's whole motivation from the minute he gets like rocked in the mouth is like i'm killing him and like she's like we don't need that kind of heat like that's the other thing too is that's why it's a noir movie you could set this movie in chicago in like the fucking 20s and she could be like, you're not fucking killing him, see? Like, it's bad enough. It'll bring heat down on us. And he's like, I'm fucking doing it. Like, that's like the whole thing about this movie that plays so well is like, it could be set almost at any time. All you need to do is have a sister who's running things. And it's also fucking wild that she's running things too. Like that, and like that nobody fucking blinks. Like they, they handle that so deftly that it's like, yeah, she's fucking running things. Why wouldn't she be? Yeah, she's Barbara Stanley. I don't yeah. know why she wouldn't be. The funniest moment in the movie, by the way, like where she like fucking flexes nuts is where he first comes to see her and her and her 40 guns are all sitting around that table. And she's like, she's like, OK, I want to talk to him alone. And then just 40 men proceed to get up and leave a room. Yeah, it's and the, the, the camera like pulls back and you watch all of those men leave. It's hilarious. It's a really good shot. Like he puts it like up in the corner of a room to do it. And you're just like, God, that was smart. That was really smart. It, that's the thing about Fuller is it's 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 you know it's economy of words it's economy of filmic technique you know like he'll do stuff and especially in this movie where it's inventive and like really unique and but like it's still all fairly simple I think there's like one there's a like crane shot early on that goes like that's pretty pretty unique and pretty different. But, like, outside of that and um, this, like, wonderful shot where he uses the barrel of a gun to to highlight this uh, young woman's face, you know, not a whole lot, not a whole lot of, um, of like, really, really, you know, what I'm trying to say here. Not a, not a whole lot of, like, unique and weird over-the-top stuff. It's It's just... I don't know. He just uses, he's really good economy, uh, economical storytelling. Well, he was a guy who I don't think had a lot to work with in terms of a budget. So he was a guy who understood that, like, I have to use what I've got and I might not have a lot, but I can do with, uh, I can, he was a guy where he could do a lot with what little he had. Like he was talented enough mm. to use it. But he just didn't have a lot of resources. Him and, that's why him and Cohen make sense now that you've said it. It's like Cohen is like one of those guys where it's like if you had given Cohen like a Marvel level budget, Cohen would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Like and would give you like the fucking craziest movie you've ever seen. But like Cohen didn't have that. So it's like he needed stop motion animation for like fucking stuff like Q. But say what you <laughs> will, Q's still a very deeply entertaining movie. Q is great. Um, Q is great indeed um so in this movie there are three love stories there is <laughs> wes bonell who is the middle child and i think it's luvanna spranger who is like the gun shop maven that's so sad um who she's the she's the the daughter of the town's gunsmith um shotgun springer and they fall in love and they have like their own little wedding. And, and then, you know, the other the other love story is uh, Chico Bonnell in the city of Tombstone. <laughs> He's mad at Griff for not being like promoted to like second brother and kind of always being relegated as like the kid brother who's like too handsome to get shot because, you know, they don't want him to die. And so he's like, I'm becoming sheriff of the goddamn town. Ain't no one going to do it. I'll do it. Yeah, it's one of those where you're just like, why are you like this? Exactly. And I just wanted to point this out that Chico is played by a man named Robert Dix, who I know he actually is buried in the county that this um, 
movie was made. Uh, he spent a lot of time there. He also, and I hate to bring this up for him, but was in a couple of really awful movies that I watched last year, directed by Al Adamson. He 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 appeared in I think four Al Adam and Adamson movies. In reality, I think he only shot two, maybe three. But one was Blood of Dracula's Castle, which was not good. He's in Satan's Status, which also stars Russ Tamblin, Five Bloody Graves, and Hell's Bloody Devils, which is, I believe, Satan's Status re-edited to be a different movie. Anyway, R.A.P. Robert Dix. Uh, you were good in this movie and not in those movies. Anyway, uh, he decides to stay, I, I believe, to take the marshal's job. But Griff the entire time is like, I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving. I don't want to stay here. This is not where I want to be. And then he accidentally falls in love with Barbara Stanwyck and is still like, I'm not, I'm not staying here. I'm leaving. Yeah. Everybody, he's got that very, he's got I, that very like, like why, why are we doing this? Why are we staying? What are we doing? He's very much got like that. I'm leaving. You can all stay here, but I'm, I'm leaving. And it's on the, I, there's a couple of attempts on Griff's life. Uh, I think most notably there's an ambush set up by um, Sheriff Logan that Griff and I think Chico spoils. Yeah, they're looking for John Savage, I think is, is the guy. That's the that's one you're right. talking about? Yeah. That's right. They're looking for John Savage. Man, the names in this movie. Great. And... They stop the, the the thing, they find the guy, and then fucking Griff goes and he talks to Jessica and that's when we learn that oh no, Sheriff Ned Logan's kind of been kind of been doing all of this on his own. He's gone rogue. And you learn that he has been in love with Jessica Drummond the entire time and that they maybe had like a fling at some point and she starts going or he starts going, No, don't pay me off like all the others. That's sad. That's a sad moment. Well, it's like he's a guy where it's like he's holding a torch for her, and it's like his logic is she'll come around, and it's like, buddy, she's not coming around. But like, are you seeing like, Griff? Yeah, like he. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you had been there. You could have helped him out. You'd be like, you seen Griff? Look at him. I mean, Jesus Christ. Just go for a long walk out in the yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. It'll be fine. There's a lot of it around. The tornado sequence is weird. The tornado sequence is weird. I don't know if it. I don't know if it holds up. It's fun. Like I know why they're doing it, but yeah, it's like, it's just very, it's very strange. But yeah, there's something to be said about just like how, like how kind of like not slapped together this movie is, but like how much like DIY spirit there is to this movie. If you were to give me like a class where I programmed like original indie or like proto indie movies, I think this would be. I think this or something of its ilk would be a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was shot in fucking CinemaScope, so you know it can't be like that much of an independent movie. Like that's not yeah. cheap. <laughs> so it it's fucking it, gorgeous on my big TV in the oh, bedroom yeah. in the dark. I was sitting there, I was like, God damn, this is good looking. Like the black and white cinematography. Ooh. Yeah, not. It was shot by uh, Joseph F. Barak. There's nothing else on this list that I know off the top of my head, other than a couple of Fuller movies. I mean, guy direct. Guy was the director of photography for The Towering Inferno. Yeah, Blazing Saddles, The Longest Yard. Those are big movies. Airplane. He was the director of photographer for Airplane. You know. But Beyond man, the goodness. Poseidon Adventure. Remember that one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Amazing Colossal Man by Bert R. Gordon. Bert I. Gordon. Longest Yard is good. I like Longest Yard is good. Longest Yard yeah. is good. Hustle's good. Cry Danger. Uh, just a lot of movies with great names. Johnny. Alergo. Too late, the hero. Yeah, these are like really great names that are probably not great movies. The killer that stalked New York. Ooh, the detective, the first Die Hard movie. I think we uh, skipped over a very important movie that he did the that he was one of the cinematographers for. Yeah, that's up there. It's the third movie. It's from nineteen nineteen forty six. No, I'm fine. It's cool. 
he directed it's a he did the director of photography for it's a wonderful life there i said it yeah, him happy. and uh he was he was co with uh, joseph walker who is <sighs> one of the greats anyway am i a bad person for just not liking that movie and thinking you don't it's like really it's a wonderful sl- life i think it's really fucking slow and stupid like uh, i just like i don't care are you a capper guy at all uh you know that's a great question like um because it might just be his style that you might not like um oh, that's way too many gotta look at the best of I like mr smith goes to washington okay what yeah. about um what about um it happened one night yeah i like it happened one night okay it was fun okay yeah i just think it's a wonderful life is like i don't know i just maybe it's it's been years maybe i need to rewatch it i don't know if i would go like oh it's the greatest movie ever made but I think it's just that it's gotten that like, like that level of like that level of jerking off where it's like, oh, we play it every year, and it's like, why? Like, there's other movies you can play. Like, I don't I mean, know. Why would we, why do we do that to the fucking it's to the Wizard of Oz? I don't know. That's my point. Like, I think Wizard of Oz is actually like fun and like enjoyable, but it's like not a movie I'd watch every year. Sure, you can continue to think that. What's that? You can continue to think that about It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's like, I'm glad other people like it, but it's like, why do I have to, like, sacrifice two hours every year on, like, screens in theaters when we could be playing other... Like, that's the thing, too. It's like, it's a movie where it's like, I wish they would, like, push for other movies to be played throughout the year, like, for classic series. But that one just keeps coming back, and it's like, okay, like, can we do other stuff? Like, there are other Christmas movies from back in the day we could play. Yeah, throwing uh, all that heaven allows. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. I don't that's everything else. <laughs> throwing a seventh seal. Fuck it. Who knows? I don't think that's a Christmas movie. It can be. Anything can be a Christmas movie. You watch it during Christmas. <laughs> eyes wide shut. There we go. Throw that one in throw there. Throw that throw eyes wide shut up there. I'm sorry, you want to play Eyes Wide Shut as a Christmas movie? It is a Christmas movie. A Look Christmas when it takes place. Have you seen yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't get smart with me, sir. How many people do you think it'll do? I know I'm going, so there's one. Uh, uh at least five. Yeah. No, I think I think Eyes Wide Shut would do pretty well because it's a fucking it's a Kubrick. Kubrick's back in style. Yeah. I think. He's 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 having a moment. I mean, uh. they play they play fucking 2001: Space Odyssey like every other like every six months or so up here, so. Yeah, that makes sense. God, I'd like to see that on a big screen with film. I did see it on a big screen during the 4K restoration. That was pretty good. I bet that was very nice. Anything else you want to say about 40 Guns? I love it. It's a great movie. Probably not even in the top 10 Samuel Fuller movies. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fucking crazy. Number 11, just looking on from the outside. You know, he's, he made a lot of great movies. Um, and I, I don't even, maybe, maybe, maybe top 10, probably not top five. That's fair. That's still high praise. What would you pair it with? I made a crack of pairing this with um, All I Desire, which is a Douglas Sirk, Barbara Stanwyck vehicle in which she plays an actor who is coming back to a rural town in Wisconsin after and and her family and her husband after abandoning them to become a vaudevillian star. And I think that that's a great movie. It's directed by Douglas Sirk, and it also has Barbara Stanwyck playing um, a mommy who has a whip. (laughs) Well, at least you're keeping it consistent. Yep. I mean, honestly, if we're going to just both do Barbara Stanwyck movies, just watch Double Indemnity. She is equally just the absolute man destroyer that she is in that, that she is in this, but in like such a different way. Yeah, in that movie, she has no power and is able to make men do whatever they want. In this movie, she has all the power and is able to make men do what they want. Yes, she drives the former sheriff into committing suicide. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, she really does. And what do you give this? I think I give this... I'm going to say I give it four stars. Let me see what I gave it. Okay. <laughs> three and a half. I give this three and a half. Okay. That's, I mean, yeah. 
it's basically yeah we're basically almost on the same page and i'm sure it'll probably go up if i watch it again i think it's real good but also i love samuel fuller okay well that take us out of it do we have anything else we do i can't remember it's been a while but i don't think so no i think that's it i think that's it well i think you have a question for me is it what we're doing next time it is what we're doing next time ben benjamin ben ben old buddy ben old ben old (laughs) pal buddy old dear what are we doing next time on the podcast oh man what are we gonna do next time should i look at my list who knows i mean will all these be gone by that time i don't know maybe who's to say oh man there's so many things on my list i could watch but do i really want to watch those probably not oh we're taking that off there i've seen that already oh god let's see oh you know what actually no no november will be over by that point i'll save that for a later for a later date you know what actually movie i'd like to watch i want to i want to watch another black and white classic and i'm looking at my list here and it's something i gotta watch for next year for the second half of my film or my group of movies that i own that i'm just trying to bang out i don't know how to type shut up Sorry, sorry. It's okay. Sorry, dozed off there for a second. Close my eyes. It's okay. And I want to watch a movie from 1957, which is a movie that stars Joanne Woodward and Lee J. Cobb. It is a movie about a doctor who treats a woman suffering from multiple personality disorder and is directed by Nanali Johnson and is written by Nanali Johnson along with just a whole group of people who I, I'm looking at, and I'm like, I know that guy, but I don't know from where. It's The Three Faces of Eve. Aha! Uh-huh. Three Faces of Eve. We're going to talk about a movie. Same year as the movie 40 Guns. Interesting. I know that Joanne Woodward won an Academy Award for this movie. I believe she did, yes. Um, so that's interesting. All right. And I'm sure it will be a perfectly acceptable kind depiction of mental illness as well i'm sure i won't have any notes (laughs) he's already taking notes well guys you can of course follow us on instagram at twgtf pod you can follow me at movie loving lucha 87 for my stuff on instagram i don't think i've really posted much recently I, i mean you guys can always check my story because every day every time i watch a movie i post it from my letterbox you can follow me at empty critic 87 just search ben colton on letterbox tyler anywhere they can follow you um they can follow me riding into the town of tombstone arizona with my three brothers wes and chico you don't have three brothers i have one brother do you yeah. really yeah. the things i don't know about you that i keep learning yeah. i had no idea I thought you were an me. only child I'm sorry, what's his name? Shout out to Nick. Aw, I didn't know you had a brother. That's great. Is he nice? Do you like him? He's all right. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I think we're going to stop talking about this now. (laughs) Sorry. No, you're fine. No, he's great. I love Nick. Oh, that's good. That's good. I thought thought he's all right would be just a funny way to answer that. It It is pretty good. You just get a phone call like a couple weeks where you're like, the fuck, man? You're like, listen to the latest episode of your show because I love your show and uh, I'm all right. (laughs) Take or leave him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, ups and downs, strikes and gutters, you know. Swings and roundabouts. Well, for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I've, of course, been your host, Ben. And I'm Wes Bonell. And remember, guys, if you come to our little video box around the way and you see... A guy slowly walking towards another guy who's shooting off his gun. Well, just let that guy do his job because, man, is he confident. I wouldn't get that near a guy with a loaded gun. I never kissed a gunsmith before. Any recoil? (laughs) That's the saddest part of that movie. We didn't even really talk about how sad it is. We didn't even talk about that guy gets gunned down like a dog. Like during his wedding, like he was probably gonna have like actual sex for the first time in a couple hours, and then he gets fucking shot. This fucking eats. And it. she's so cute too. You're just yeah. like, oh, look at you. You like, 
She hands him that gun at one point, and you're like, oh, you're good at your job, too. And then it's like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sad. And that's that's why Brocky gets fucking laid out. Well, to quote the movie Goodfellas, it was for Wes and a lot of other it, things. It was for Wes and a lot of other things. You just don't love that Brocky's acting that way. What a picture. <laughs>